This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. We have a live show coming up on May 13th at 6 p.m. Pacific. Guess what? It's online. Register through the link in the show notes or find information on the Reddit or bit.ly slash spilledmilklive21. We are going to be doing a lightning round, which means Matthew and I will not know ahead of time what the topics are. Abby's going to pull them out of a hat. And so we need your help. Please submit topic ideas for our lightning round. Send them to topics at spilledmilkpodcast.com. I'm Molly. And I'm Matthew. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and sit in our closets. Yeah, except I'm I'm in the in the dining room, like at the usual spilled milk recording table today, and it feels so weird to be alone wow. at the table. What made you decide to do that? Because we have a guest today, and I think we're going to be on camera, and I didn't want to be <laughs> sort of like leaning off the edge of my bed in front of the guest. Well, so you left me here alone in I my closet. I left you closet. there alone in the closet. No, but but your closet is is like you know it's it's uh, it's got kind of a a such, it's such a real vibe to it. Yeah. Whereas, it's whereas, really closety. Like one time, one time I like used our usual recording spot for a work meeting, and someone said, "Are you in a hotel room?" And I was like, "I need to find a new spot." <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Well, anyway, today's episode is Korean rice cakes or dok. Yes, uh, and mm-hmm. we're going to be talking a little about dok in general, and a lot about dokbokki, which is uh, one of the most common and most delicious dishes made with them. Yes. This is the third episode in our Rice Cakes trilogy. Yes. Which, uh, like, does it have to remain a trilogy or could it be like one of those like fantasy or romance trilogies that ends up having like 19 books? I think These are could, books, by the way. I think it could be like that. Yeah. Yeah. What other, I mean, we haven't done, I mean, I'm sure there are lots <laughs> of other rice cakes. I, I was starting to say something and then I didn't know what I was going to say. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, like, you could probably make, like, rice pudding into a cake. I was watching Great British Bake Off, which is, like, all I watch anymore, and someone made a really ill-conceived dessert where they used, like, rice pudding as a sauce or, like, a garnish wow. on top of a cake. And we're like, that can't be good. Wow. And guess what? It wasn't. 
Oh, wow. Okay. Um, well, anyway, today's episode is Korean rice cakes. And we have a special guest today. Yes, we're, both, we're very excited. We're both pretty I've, excited. Kind of nervous. Uh, I've moved from the from my uh, usual recording spot, which is sort of like leaning over the edge of my bed uh, toward the <laughs> microphone, uh, to the, the old-fashioned uh, dining room table spilled milk studio. It's so lonely. I am really happy to report. So, you know, my bathrobe hangs here in the, the background um, of, of my, my closet view. Oh, that's the ba- the bathrobe you were wearing last week. Yeah, this is my bathrobe. Yeah. And you know, it's it's freshly washed. So I feel like I really showed up here for our, our special guest today. I washed my bathrobe. You really did. Yes. I no, really I can did. see it gleams. Did yeah. you did you use a dryer sheet? I don't think so. We did use How borax. You... We add borax oh, to every wow. load. Twenty mule team? Yeah, twenty mule team. Is there another brand of borax? That's a really good brand name. I feel like I don't know what it has to do with borax, but it's very easy to remember. You know, I have been seeing um, a whole bunch of graffiti around Seattle, the word borax. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, man, I feel you. That's right. Finally, like a a youthful street artist who really gets me. (laughs) Yeah. They totally get my my laundry booster. <laughs> anyway, today we are talking about duck, and I'm really excited because I just ate these for the first time a few weeks ago. And okay, um, I want to anyway. hear all about that. Yeah, so I'm really excited. Okay, so so does that mean we're on memory lane? Oh, we should tell people about our live show first. Oh, great. Okay, it's uh, it's going to be online. It's May 13th at 6 p.m. You can register through the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly slash spilled milk live 21. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's the thing. We are going to be doing this show as a lightning round. So that means that you, listener so-and-so, can... <laughs> you, <laughs> listener so-and-so. Can, you can send in um, a topic suggestion. You can send it to topics at spilledmilkpodcast.com. And producer Abby while we're doing the live show, is going to be pulling topics like out of a hat. And Matthew and I have to do like a lightning round on that topic. It's yeah, be I can't really wait fun. to see this hat. We, I don't even gonna... know if Abby's going to be on camera or not, but I think I feel like she should while she's pulling things out of a hat. Um, probably. We're okay. going to be uh, we're going to be coming to you live um, from our, our closets as we do now. Yep. Yeah. Th- so this is going to be on Zoom and uh, it's free, although donations are encouraged. You can learn more when you go to bit.ly slash spilled milk live 21. All right. So should we go down uh, Korean rice cake memory lane? Yes. Uh, Let me take you down my memory lane. Please. It begins about a month ago. All right. So like March, March Mm -hmm. 2021. March 2021, when we decided that we were going to do this episode, which was prompted by by puffed products or puffed right, snacks we started with puffed products okay wow, then I just we really did sprayed as i as i said that with that <laughs> word with all the peas in it um then we said like like we should do rice cakes because those are like the those were like the puffed uh elephant in the room mm-hmm. that we didn't talk about on puffed products mm-hmm. i don't what what are puffed products i've already forgotten it was like pop chips right yeah well it, it's really weird how we have really drifted downstream here we started out with yeah. like puffed products, which was mostly corn, right? And then we did yeah. rice cakes, which are like, which is the technology actually that enabled puffed products to happen. Right. And right? then this week we're doing unpuffed rice cakes. Correct. And specifically 
Korean rice cakes. Yes. All right. Yeah. There we go. So anyway, where is this river going to take us next? Once, Probably over a waterfall in a barrel. <laughs> once we had decided to do this episode, I thought, okay. So Matthew suggested Korean rice cakes. That means I should like try Korean rice cakes. I will be perfectly honest and say I didn't. I'd never had them. All right. And anyway, so Ash and I got uh, dinner one night delivery from um, Korean Tofu House. Is that what it's called here in Seattle? Yeah. Korean Tofu House. We got a couple of different things, bibimbap, and we also got dokboki, which is um, a really... Oh my God, it is a stew with kimchi, often with like a fish base, right? Yeah. We're going to talk more about this, but with these like cylindrical Korean rice cakes in there. They almost look like um, like penne, but that are not yeah. hollow, right? And the texture is incredible. And they're so good next, like in this really flavorful, like pungent soup because they are like all texture. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot about this, but there's like, there's like a soupier version. I mean, there are a ton of different versions of this dish, but there's like a soupier version and a drier version that are both super common. Made with gochujang and awesome. and uh, fish cakes usually. Um, like it can have added meat. It can. It, we'll, we'll get there. Okay. Cool. Okay. What about you, Matthew? Where's your memory lane? I was trying to remember, and I. This is one of those instances where, like, I I stepped out onto memory lane, or or like the memory lane of my mind palace, and I immediately got lost in a fog because I I don't think I th- I think it was relatively recently for me too, like probably like the early to mid 2000s that I first encountered these, but I don't remember where. It would have Mm. been at a Korean restaurant in Seattle in the 2000s, I'm almost sure. Mm -hmm. And probably in the form of dokboki. Okay. And and like immediately, like I loved the texture right away. I think this is a super textural food. I Um, was trying to think of how to describe the texture. It's like, you know, it's got some of that wonderful like springy chew that mochi does yes i think like if uh if you have had mochi but haven't had korean rice cakes it's based on the same process so like there there isn't any difference like in terms of the product between like what's called mochi in japanese cooking and what's called dok in korean cooking it's just you know how they're used okay well, I was really surprised by the shape of them. Yeah. I think somehow I, I pictured that it would be um, like, like a disc, like a thin disc. But instead... And that, that's also common, but not, not usually ah, in dokboki, but, but that's okay. the other shape. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, let's dive into this. Let's, let's talk about, before, before we're joined by our guest... Yeah. Um, Who let's could talk, po- be popping in any time. Um, let's talk about like what these are and how they're made. All right, so there is a wide variety of different Korean rice cakes called dok, and they can be made with different types of rice. They can be made with added grains or flavoring, but by far the most common in Korean cooking today are the ones made with steamed sticky rice, short grain sticky rice that's then pounded and turned into a paste and extruded. And uh, they certainly can be made at home, but are mostly industrially made and purchased. And when you buy them, they are really fun to work Work with because they they are usually in like kind of a vacuum packed bag, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they can, they're two common shapes. There's the cylindrical ones that you had, and then there's the slices, which are kind of like a third of an inch thick and maybe like a little over an inch long oval slices. Yes, 
I'm raising my hand. I have a question, Matthew. Um, yes, yes, so go ahead. You say they come in in vacuum-packed packages. Is it kind of like if you buy like fresh gnocchi at the grocery store or something? Do they yes, come in like the refrigerated like section? Yes, refrigerated or frozen. They're quite perishable. Like once you like the first time I got them, I think like I you know I opened them up, and the thing is, they seem almost like plastic when you take them out of the package, and then as soon as they get warmed up, then then they soften and uh, they become like chewy and delicious. But you take them out of the package at first and it's like you know like a piece of chalk sort of but so i assumed because they are so firm and uh and like just kind of this white stick that they would be very um durable in the fridge they are not so once you once you open the bag uh they will they will get moldy real quick because rice because rice is delicious and all sorts of people and animals and microorganisms love to eat it (laughs) Perfect. Okay, so they come in kind of this uh, this like pinky finger shape yeah. and size. That can be. They're kind of like uh, they're they're cut by machine, but they they are cut into like like varying lengths, which is which is kind of adorable. Um, okay, and they're sort of like you know. I, I think of them as being like like gnocchi. I'm glad you mentioned gnocchi because they are, you know, a textural element. They're they're not something that has a lot of flavor in and of themselves, but they are great for carrying flavor, for adding texture, and for adding bulk to to a soup or like you know taking a sauce that you want to eat a ton of and turning mm. that into a meal. Mm-hmm. You know, they are they are like a a pasta. Yes, this makes a lot of sense. So, what is dokboki then? The, so the tteokbokki, the dish we're going to be focusing on. Yeah, it is the most common dish made with with rice cakes, and particularly the cylindrical rice cakes in Korea today. And it is enormously popular. And I had assumed until I started researching this the show, I knew that that rice cakes in in uh, you know East Asia go back millennia. And so I assumed tteokbokki probably went back at least to like when chilies first arrived in in East Asia. No, it's from the fifties. Really? Yeah. So it's it is a a post war food. It was first made and sold in a particular neighborhood in Seoul. And uh, there is uh, like if you if you look around, there is there is an apocryphal origin story that goes along with it. Everyone seems to agree that it was first served at a restaurant um, run by a woman named Ma Bok Lim. It, uh, according to Wikipedia, quote, when Ma Bok Lim participated in the opening of a Chinese restaurant, she dropped talk into hot sauce accidentally and ate it and found that it was delicious. <laughs> like, Whoops. of all the fake origin stories of food, this was, this was like one of the dumbest. Because, this one like, seems like it, it really needs to be like, uh, uh, like it's very thin. Like they need yes, to elaborate yes. on it. Like we need more. Like the we've talked about this before, I know, but like the the thread running through all of these like whoopsie origin stories is like you know women sure are dumb, you know they're in the kitchen just like dropping stuff all oh, the this, time and whoa like that tasted good. The Toll House origin story is the yes. same kind of thing, right? Like oh my hand just slipped and I threw some chocolate chips in. Yeah, and especially like when it involves like something like getting crisped in a pan, like pot stickers, or uh, or you know like something with hot sauce. Like you know, who could have guessed that like you know crisping something up in a pan or putting hot sauce on something would be delicious? No, it had to be a mistake. <laughs> so, how is the dish made? Like you know, often I know there are lots of different ways of making dokboki, yeah. but how? What's a typical way of making it these days? Okay, so it's usually made with uh, with a stock that's uh, that's based on dried anchovies and kelp, 
gochujang, which is uh, Korean fermented hot sauce, uh, fish cakes. Did When you got it, did it have fish cakes in it? It did have fish cakes in it, yeah. It's usually like a thinly sliced, kind of like sheet-shaped fish cake. Yes, yes. I wasn't sure what it was, actually, but yeah, I'm glad adds, that you've now explained it. Yeah, it, it adds like another textural element, because that's more of, more of like a, uh, you know... What's 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 a nice way to say spongy? You know, it's kind of it's kind of like a juicy juicy texture compared to like the super chewy texture of the rice cakes. Yes, um, and usually oh, scallions are on scallions. Yeah. Yes, big time. And um, you know, and it's got this the the broth is is quite thick. I mean, it's it's really like there. It is undeniably just like laced with gochujang. Yes. Like so much. Yeah. Um, and it can be like sometimes it's cooked down so that the that mm-hmm. it gets really dry and like, you know, is the, the sauce is really just clinging to the rice cakes. And sometimes it's more saucy. Yeah. Mine mine was definitely more saucy. Wait, what did you write here? That what are some other variations? Oh yeah. These? So so there is a first of all, there's a neighborhood in Seoul, the neighborhood in Seoul where where it originated, um, the Sindong neighborhood. Um, there is now a Tokpoki town with dozens of restaurants serving it in hundreds of variations, and some of those variations have become hugely popular. Like one one that became popular in the last, I was going to say few years, but probably like couple decades now is Rose Tokpoki, which is made with uh, with gochujang and cream. Rose as in like pink. Yes. The way so, that like so, a penne alla vodka is ex- kind of a exactly. pink sauce. That's what made okay. me thought. I'd never heard of this and now I'm dying to try it. Oh my God. Wait a minute. You you said uh, curry tteokbokki? Yeah. So there's, there's uh, great. curry tteokbokki. There's uh, there's cream sauce based, so like, like carbonara or Alfredo style. There's uh, non-spicy soy sauce based that often has meat in it. Um, there's na bokki, which is tteokbokki uh, with added ramen noodles. You still have the rice cakes, but also noodles. That was an option when I ordered it from oh, Korean cool. Tofu House. Yeah, you could add ramen. And there's gongjong tteokbokki, which is a royal court style uh, made with soy sauce, beef, and a lot of vegetables, which looks really good. I, I don't think I've ever had uh, one other than like the, the most common, like one, one that would be made in Korean home kitchens with gochujang and, and stock and, and scallions and fish cakes. I was pleasantly surprised by how well the the duck held up as a takeout dish. Yes. Like the noodles, they hold up texturally much, much better than I thought they would. Yeah. So that even by the time this thing arrived at my house in the dead of winter, you know, and I live at, you know, at the, at the end of a two mile long unpaved road through the woods and, and the, and here. Wait, is that memory lane? DoorDash comes on horseback. Yes, yes, um, yes. Anyway, no. Anyway, it was fantastic. I imagine also that it probably would be pretty good the next day, right? Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, I think I have reheated it the next day. Um, um, and it's, it's become like an enormously popular takeout and delivery item in, in Korea today. Cool. Michelle Zahner is a writer, singer, songwriter, and multi-instrumentalist who was born in Seoul and grew up in Eugene, Oregon. She records and performs as Japanese Breakfast. Her debut memoir, Crying in H Mart, is out this week, and her third Japanese Breakfast album, Jubilee, drops in June. Michelle, welcome to Spilled Milk. Thank you for having me. It's nice to hear someone say Oregon in a not weird way. Yes. Oh, yeah. We all know who grew up in Oregon that it really is called Oregon, but we just say Oregon to annoy people. (laughs) Well, so when this episode airs, your book will have come out two days before. So, well, God, so you have, you've got this book coming out. You've got a new album dropping in June, right? 
Yes. On the fourth. Will you tell us a little bit about each of them? Yeah, so I, um, my book is called Crying in HMAR, and it's about how I really turned to HMAR, which is like a Korean grocery chain, um, as a kind of place of refuge and, you know, like a place where I bought my groceries to go on this kind of like healing journey of cooking Korean food. I'm half Korean, and after my mom passed away of a really aggressive GI cancer, I sort of found myself like having this new anxiety about my like racial identity. And I, I just kind of naturally found myself for a variety of reasons turning to Korean food to kind of like uncover some memories of my mother that were kind of buried in this trauma of caretaking. And I also feel like I turned to it as a way to kind of preserve this cultural identity that felt sort of like at risk in this new way. Mm -hmm. And then my album is called Jubilee, and it comes out on June 4th. It's my third album under the moniker Japanese Breakfast. And my first two records were also largely about grief. And so I think I just felt like after I wrote these two records and the whole book about the grieving process and, you know, suffering. <laughs> I, I wanted to like, yeah. sort of like fling myself to the other end of the spectrum and write about this other part of my life. And, you know, I think it was also like, indie musicians in particular, maybe like are often like mining tragedy, uh, in, you know, in a natural way, but um, we're sort of like expected to like dwell in our uh, depression. And I, I, I love the idea of like, sort of challenging myself to write an album about joy. So this new record is about joy. And yeah, I feel like it's a very ambitious and theatrical record. And the arrangements are some of the largest that we've done in a long time. And yeah, the theme is joy. Yeah, I the single Be Sweet has been like on repeat, like in my house and like, you know, living living rent free in my head <laughs> since it since it came out and like reminds me so much of like songs, songs that I loved growing up in the 80s. Thank you. I love to hear that. And yeah. the video is super fun. That must have yes. been really fun to make it was very fun to make <laughs> a lot of rolling around on the ground <laughs> yes 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 so are you doing a book tour from your home <laughs> and, yeah. and if so how can people find out where to see you yeah i guess by the time this comes out we have like a little flyer that we can send you to but i'm doing a virtual tour and i'm really excited because yeah. like you know i mean it's not ideal but <laughs> like it's still it's really fun we've got like a lot of really great guests mung chi is going to be on one and bone yang is going to be on one oh, and that's so great karen chi is doing one so i'm really really excited about um the lineup of people i get to talk to and, and forced to talk about my book with oh that's so cool well congratulations and i'm really excited because i get to do something with Powell's. Oh, Powell's, yes. Powell's is the greatest. Uh, Powell's is I'm, this huge, huge bookstore in Portland that uh, that I grew up going to all the time and uh, is one of the best places in the world. I feel like the, the best thing about doing an event at Powell's is they, you know, if you're lucky, they put your name on the marquee and I hope they still put your name on the marquee. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would be sick. I hope that do eventually, it. like, <laughs> things will open up enough for us to, like, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe there's a belated book tour that could happen in person, but I'm not sure how this works. I've never written a yeah. book before, but... Um, I would love to do something in a in an actual pal someday. But for now, virtual is very cool. Yeah. Maybe for the paperback. Yeah. Well, should we talk about Doc and Doc Boki? Yeah. Okay. All right. So, Michelle, did you eat Doc Boki growing up? And if so, was it like at home in, in Oregon, on trips to Korea, or both? Yeah, I feel like Doc Boki is like, uh, you know, it's a Korean, largely a Korean street food. So, growing up in Oregon, like, my mom never really made it at home. I feel like it would be the same... I don't know what like the American equivalent. It'd be like 
this is terrible it'd be like making like funnel cake at home or something you know it's like not really like (laughs) it's not something that like i feel like my mom would have made because it's just like a thing that you eat when you're out you know right but i know a lot of people like there's a lot of instant versions of thakboki now and like i have made it a few times and and really enjoy it i really like making it with like the big thak like there's like you can get them at h mart but they're like they're like really long big (laughs) i'll send you a photo of i made a really epic thakboki once with so wait but do you leave them long when you cook them you don't you don't you don't like cut them into sections yeah they're like fat boys like they're like you know maybe an inch thick and like maybe six inches oh nice <laughs> and yeah instead Whoa. of like having a bunch of little ones like i have like these big ones the thing is is like thakboki is like a really big that thing in like really the, yeah like there's this thing uh you guys know about mukbang right like i'm sure that i do yeah, yes yeah so it, i feel like thakboki is like a really big thing in the mukbang universe and i i really love mukbang and i feel like after watching a lot of those videos like that and the specific type of like ramen that's really spicy is like a really popular thing to eat um on these mukbangs so i feel like i got into making it after watching it as a young adult as an adult but when i was younger yeah it was like something that you would get like on the street i feel like i always really enjoyed it i used to have like a very long chapter in my book that got deleted the second chapter of my book was like extremely hard for me to get right for a very long time and it used to be um about my korean first birthday and thuk is like a major part Mm -hmm. of your korean first birthday and there's all these different types of it and and that's like my obviously my like first memory of of Duck in general. Mm. Oh, so like what what kind of, you know, types of duck would be served at I, this, this is not a tradition that I know anything about. Yeah, it's at like a lot of celebrations, I feel like um like a, at a lot of holidays. So there's like yeah, I used to have all these like descriptions of them. There's like songpyeon, which is like I'd have to like look up all of these, but like I know songpyeon is one where it's like they look like they're like little lubed up dumplings and they have like um red bean and like sesame <laughs> in inside. And then there's one called mujigetak, which is like a rainbow rice cake that's like kind of it's almost it looks like a little like Starbucks cake or something, but it's like very plain. And then my favorite is called yakshik. I don't even know if that's like technically a thought, but it's like in the family and it's made from like mm-hmm. rice and like, like, I guess corn syrup and they have like chestnuts and raisins in it. And I also write about that in my book. That's, that, that was like my favorite one growing up. Yeah. So you would pretty much only eat it then when you went back to Korea to visit, to visit family there. You didn't tend to have it at home, right? Tteokbokki, I never really ate that at home. My mom never really made it. But I did have, like, when we would go to the Asian grocery store, we would get, they would have thuk. So they would have, like, different types of, like, this thuk. And, like, we Mm -hmm. would just eat it, like, on its own. Not, like, Mm -hmm. the spicy one. Mm Mm-hmm. What what else do you remember from uh, food wise from from childhood trips to Korea? My main memory is always like the first thing that we would always get was like Korean Chinese delivery. As soon as we landed, like it was always it was like pretty much tradition that like my aunt would like call in an order to this like Korean Chinese place. They come in like ten minutes. I don't know where they there must be so many, but there's like they come so fast. It's basically like the equivalent of like, I don't know, I guess like American Chinese food, but like there's jajangmyeon, which is like these black bean noodles that are like very savory and re- just like yeah. so good. And um Tangsuyuk, it's like a deep fried pork like a sweet and sour kind of pork. 
And then jampong is like a seafood noodle soup. So we would usually get like the big three and eat that when, when I was a kid. I loved jajangmyeon when I was a kid. And that was like a big thing for me going there. We'd always go to this fancy barbecue restaurant in Seoul called Samon Garden. I definitely always remember their like kalbi, their like short rib barbecue. And they have like mm-hmm. the fanciest, best like side dishes of like pumpkin salad and like um all like shredded green onion and like uh acorn jelly like side it's like it's so decadent and delicious and they have a really good denjang jjigae which is like a fermented soybean stew that's like also very savory and has like tofu and Mm. different kinds of like Mm. you know potato and zucchini and like different vegetables very like hearty stew that accompanies um this like short rib barbecue and yeah, I mean, my aunt, every time like my my mom and I would come, she'd be like, make a list of like all the things you want to eat and like all the places you want to go. And so it was like such a huge part of my childhood of like all these things, mostly like my mom really missed um, getting to eat. And so I was kind of just like along for the ride, like watching her like eat all these things that she grew up eating and like hadn't gotten to have for many years. Like it was a really big thing for her. And I, I kind of just like reap the benefits of that. That sounds, I always forget to eat enough before we record these episodes. And now <laughs> I know, I see- like yogurt before this. <laughs> Matthew and I are like sitting here with dumb smiles on our faces, yeah, like, like listening to you just describe <laughs> all this stuff. Like, please keep going, Michelle. <laughs> like, you're going to blot um, this drool now. <laughs> do you ever cook dok at home? I, I know you mentioned the giant cylinders, but yeah, how, how do you cook it at home? Yeah, it's kind of a new thing. I don't make it too often. I make um, dokguk a lot, which is like brisket soup with like these kind of coin-shaped dog that you eat on right. New Year's. Um, and I do really like that. And I, I usually put mandu like dumplings in it. I probably make that the most like in terms of like my dog consumption. But sometimes I'll make Dokboki and I'll do, I, you know, I you make like a anchovy like dashi and then you put in like fish mm-hmm. cakes and gochujang and I think that's about it. I really like um, melting mozzarella cheese on top of it because that's what the mukbang people do. <laughs> what what do you think it is about mukbang? Because I love it too, and like I find it so relaxing to watch. Like, do do you feel that way too? And if so, like, what do you think it is about watching people eat mass quantities of food in like a very very kind of like ordinary way that is so like heartwarming somehow? I don't know. I mean, I feel like I I used to watch it all the time and i think that especially right now i'm trying to like eat a little healthier so maybe i haven't watched it very often (laughs) but it gets me like it gets me like just really pumped to like eat something you know what i mean like if i'm like hungry (laughs) and in bed and i'm like i don't know what to eat and then i'll watch someone eat something and they just like look like they're enjoying it so much it looks so good it'll it'll like spark some new ideas and then it'll get me like so excited or sometimes i'll like watch a video of something i'm about to eat and like get even more excited to like eat this thing because like this person oh. is like enjoying it so much. <laughs> I've never done that, but that's the best idea I've ever yeah, heard. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. Like right before you eat tteokbokki or something, like watching one where like you know just like it just looks so goopy and like delicious, and it just gets me going. I've like started eating a lot of things yes. like because of um, mukbang. I feel like w- what else? Uh, my favorite. So my favorite mukbang is like when someone will eat like a just a giant fillet of like raw salmon, and they'll like bite into it like a bear. Oh. Uh, <laughs> it's 
just like so it's so sensual i can't i don't they at h mart they sell like a whole filet of like sashimi grade salmon and like it's to like take a giant bite out of like a hunk of salmon raw salmon is like it's just very exciting to me and it's fun to watch yeah, people it, it feels like kind of perverse you know um i like that and then yeah another thing is like this brand is like called samyang bodak bokumyan i think and it's like this they're, it's called they call it the fire noodle challenge and a lot of times they'll like mm-hmm. melt mozzarella or american cheese on top and it is really spicy. I'm like someone that's like pretty good at spice and it is like pretty intense level of spice. The two time one. And I never knew what that was until mukbang. And then afterwards I was like, I have to try this. And like my GI tract was like really suffering for a while. <laughs> 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 when you when you mentioned like uh, like tearing into a fillet of salmon like a bear like years ago I read like a John Thorne food essay I don't even remember what dish he was talking about but he said like you eat it with knife a knife and fork because for the same reason you eat you don't haul a steak up off a plate and just shove it in your mouth you know it's just more satisfying to cut it up with a knife and fork and it, yeah. as soon as I read that I'm like now I want to pick a steak up off a plate and shove it in my <laughs> mouth just to see what that's like. Totally, totally. I don't think I have, but it, now I'm thinking about it again. Yeah, you should. Now is the time for stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> you're you're absolutely true. right. Like, who's going to know? Who's going to know? No one's going to know. Okay, so I watched I watched a video that you did for Pitchfork in which you described I yourself. I also talk about the salmon in that. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, I'm like raw salmon girl. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna make that your thing. <laughs> like. Okay. Sure. Sure. You've got you've got a great book and like several great albums. <laughs> but you're but known let's, for let's your, make you your undying love of raw salmon, <laughs> even out but, of hand. <laughs> but in that video, you described yourself as a garbage mouth, and we are a show that unapologetically loves junk food of all mm-hmm. kinds. And so, what what is a go to junk food item for you? Oh my god. I'm honestly, this is like, I don't want people to know this like deep shameful secret, but I've been trying to eat healthier and like during the pandemic because it like offers me a sense of control. That is a dark secret. It's a deep dark secret for someone who is like, I love food. I write about food so much. And like, I have been like such a garbage mouth, but like during the pandemic, I've been wanting to like experiment with healthy eating and dip the toe in. (laughs) Uh, But usually my like real garbage mouth thing that like all my friends know me for is I love flaming hot Cheetos with lemon juice and then I eat it like cereal. Oh. It's like fucked up. It must be so <laughs> bad. What do you, for what you. mean you eat it like cereal? You so don't, like you you don't put milk a, on it, do you? No, I put like a bowl of hot Cheetos in a like I put I put hot Cheetos into a bowl and then I'll pour lemon juice over it. So it's like soaking in lemon juice and then I'll eat it with like a with chopsticks actually. I learned this trick. For, my best friend growing up in elementary school was half Mexican and all her family ate it this way and I got really into it. It's so good. Uh, <laughs> oh that my sounds God. great. This is amazing. I can't wait yeah, to no, try it. I already eat hot Cheetos with chopsticks just to keep them off my keyboard, at least yeah. somewhat. Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so now I'm going to add lemon juice for sure. Yeah. My friend and her family just ate it with their hands and their entire hands were like just red all the time. And so my one addition is that I eat it with chopsticks. <laughs> Oh my gosh, awesome. this is delightful. <laughs> I have so many new ideas. <laughs> All right. 
We don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, the publisher sent us uh, crying with crying in H Mart. Uh, I read it. I loved it. I'm oh, a person who you. has a lot of trouble dealing with with like hard things in life, and I feel <laughs> like you know reading your book made me feel like when I have to go through something like that, like I'm going to use your experience as oh, as kind of a guide. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me. Well, thank you guys so much for having. Thanks me. Thanks for joining us. This was so much fun. This episode is brought to you by Town Place Suites by Marriott. Whether you're traveling for work, need a place to stay while your home is being remodeled, or maybe you're just enjoying a relaxing week away, well, Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the comforts of home. Yeah, so they've got a full kitchen. Uh, they've got, you can borrow appliances. Like if you want a blender or a slow cooker while you're traveling, you can borrow it, no charge. <laughs> uh huh. So, like, you could invite your friends or your coworkers over for like a post meeting drink. You can bring your pet. Totally allowed. Oh, I love this. Oh, I see. They even have special pet items you can use. And they have the built-in Alpha closet system. Nothing makes me happier (laughs) when I am traveling and I have, like, a place to put away my clothes. Mm -hmm. Molly has seen what happens when I don't have a place to put away my clothes. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody. Nobody. Yeah, so, like, a whole closet system where I can really, like, unpack for reals. I am down. Well, this is made for you then, and this is Town Place Suites by Marriott. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the amenities you need to feel at home during your stay. Find the comforts of home at Town Place Suites. Go there with Marriott Bonvoy. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. That was so fun. Yes. Okay. So uh, Crying in H Mart, get it where books are sold. Uh, Jubilee and two other great albums by Japanese Breakfast, get it where get it where music is sold. What what else do we need to say about where to find uh, Michelle and her stuff? Go pick up a filet of salmon. Exactly. When you show up for Michelle's book tour events, which I'm, I'm guessing are out there somewhere if you Google her name, Michelle's Honor or Crying I, I in H We'll link to it in the show notes. Oh, great. Show notes. Okay, perfect. Um, yeah. But when you sit down and watch her at one of the book events, you should just take some some salmon with you. Yeah, a lot or, of salmon. Not a, flaming not a, hot Cheetos. Yes. Or both. All right. So we were talking about uh, dog bookie variations. Um, mm-hmm. I did not know about uh, the uh, the big boy. Oh, my God. And I imagine you like take bites off of it, which sounds so satisfying. When she first mentioned it, I thought, oh, surely she's going to say that you like cut this into smaller segments. Yep. Again, sort of to bring up gnocchi like you would do with gnocchi. Right. But uh, like if you were making gnocchi, but oh my God, I'm fascinated by the idea of this giant phallus of rice cake. No, it sounds excellent. I have not been to H Mart in too long. Like I'm hoping it's something that can happen pretty soon and I'm going to get one of those and maybe a salmon filet too. Fantastic. Anything else that we should say about Dok or Dokboki? Yeah, a couple, couple other things. So there is a great video um, from, uh, there. there's uh, these great uh, Korean food YouTubers named Aaron and Claire. I love their channel. Uh, we're going to link to this video in uh, in the episode description. They did a video recently where they make five different dokboki recipes, including like the original, creamy, fried, uh, and soy sauce, and one other that I can't remember, and uh, like I want to cook all of them. They look fantastic. And even even if you're not planning to cook any of them, like this is this is the video to watch to like get you slavering for whatever it is you're going to eat because wow, does it look good. What about mangchi? 
Yeah, so so Mangchi, the the uh, Korean uh, food blogger and YouTuber, um, if you're looking for like a good starter recipe to make at home, I think hers can't be beat, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll link to that also. Oh, and Mangchi has this recipe for uh, chicken chicken bulldog, which is uh, it's like a spicy chicken bake that uh, that is topped with mozzarella cheese and uh, has optional, but you should put in rice cakes. And it is I don't even know like how to describe like what what class of food it falls into. Like if you went to Chili's and they serve this, you would be like, this is the this like fits in perfectly and is the best thing I've ever had at Chili's. Oh, my God. I love that this is the uh, th- this is the comparison you reach. For, yeah, yeah, you the, serve the, it like in a cast iron skillet. So so make oh, that it's also. perfect. It's perfect. I was going to say, you know, so we, we've been talking about Korean rice cakes specifically. But, you know, the other place that I think of finding like these sort of um, disc shaped, like sort of, uh, you know, thin slices of rice cake is in some Chinese cuisines. I mean, I think about having them stir-fried at Din Tai Fung. Yes. Uh, Shanghai rice cakes. Should we mention those? I guess I just did. Yeah, absolutely. So that that I I bet they are buying a Korean brand at, uh, at Din Tai Fung because that's what's most commonly available and it is exactly the same item. So like in Chinese food, especially in Shanghai, like stir-fried with uh, with meat and vegetables. Uh, Yum. They are so good. They are so good. I made I made this a couple weeks ago and I have the rest of the rice cakes in the freezer and I'm going to be making it again very soon. Fun. Uh, Matthew, it seems like it's time for some segments. It sure seems that way, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. All right, how about some spilled mail? From listener Rochelle, hello from Saskatchewan, Canada. Hello. I'm responding. Hello, Saskatchewan, Canada. <laughs> okay. Uh, the, the letter goes on. <laughs> no, that was it. <laughs> Back in last March, our province fully shut down. Only grocery stores and pharmacies were legally able to be open. It was wild and lasted nine full weeks before we started slowly reopening businesses. I imagine it was similar where we are in Washington. It was, wasn't it, Matthew? Yeah. I think Uh, things were closed for longer. I know many of us around here spent that time experimenting or perfecting something in the kitchen. Flour and yeast were almost impossible to find. For me, I finally got it down to a perfect science to make one single loaf of crusty, chewy French bread in my shitty home oven. So my question is this. Did you guys, and Abby too, learn or create or perfect any specific dish or item during lockdown? Well, I mean, I have a a question for listener Rochelle, which is uh, if flour and yeast were almost impossible to find, what did you put in that French bread? (laughs) Nice one, Matthew. So I was thinking about this, Matthew, because... You know, there were some like there's some kind of boring things that I feel like I've really dialed in during the pandemic, but they're so boring. Like, for instance, I feel like I have perfected roasted broccoli, which I think is one of the most perfect vegetables. Like, absolutely. I've got the temperature dialed in, the amount of oil, the length of baking, uh, the the way I like cutting it. Anyway, but what I really want to talk about is yakisoba, which I mean, I should say is my version of yakisoba. I don't know if it is traditional. But I have learned from Matthew how to kind of make a basic yakisoba and have tailored it to my family's tastes. So I use bacon, green cabbage, onion, ginger, fresh ginger, scallion, and then the sauce is uh, equal parts mirin and soy sauce with some chili crisp. Oh, that sounds so good. Yakisoba is my... uh, 
lockdown superstar. Guess what? Mine is also an Asian noodle dish, and we talked about it on the show. It is uh, it is pod Thai from two times spilled milk guest uh, Pai Lin's recipe. Hi, Pai Lin. Uh, I you know it it's. Like I still, I still feel like I, I like I get a little better at it each time. Like it, it was the perfect pandemic dish because it is not easy to make. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the first time you make, it, you'll be like, "This is okay," and like, you know, these are the things I need to tweak next time, and mm-hmm. it'll be a little better next time. And like, I've finally gotten it to where like I feel like, oh, this is the noodle texture I'm looking for. This is the right amount of of sourness from the tamarind, the right level of heat. It's like as now as satisfying to make as it is to eat. But also every time I make it, I get a little nervous that I'm going to like really fuck up. That's really sweet. Uh, And then producer Abby, we asked producer Abby what her uh, lockdown, you know, um, perfected dish is. She said the Zatar Cachoe Pepe from Otto Lenghi. And we'll link to the recipe in the show notes. So I'm excited to try that. And uh, now it's time for Cute Animals You Need to Know. This video might be a little long, so feel free to skip around. It's long like the animal itself. That's a hint. Oh, dear. <laughs> so uh, this comes to us from listener Elijah, and it's meerkats. So oh, I yes. feel like meerkats, meerkats had a real moment, like maybe, I don't know, 10 or 20 years ago. I, don't, I have no concept of time anymore whatsoever. Maybe the 18th century. Uh, but there was like that show Meerkat Manor. And like everybody knew meerkats were like little weasels that like to stand up next to each other. And that's true. They still do that. They haven't stopped doing that. They're skinny little mongooses who will stand on anything. And so we're going to link to this video. Wait, what's a in mongoose? Which a mongoose is a kind of weasel that, that likes to kill snakes. <laughs> So it's in the I, weasel family. Ricky Tiki Tavi is a mongoose, right? I, I don't know. <laughs> it's um, in the weasel family. Oh my god, Matthew! I like when June was younger and we used to go to the zoo a lot. I always loved to stand in front of the the meerkat display because they were just endlessly fascinating. Oh but, yeah. Um, god, they are so. There's something about their posture and the the general like affect that I attribute to this posture, you know, like here I am like anthropomorphizing these these little mongooses, but God, I love them. Yeah. Also, uh, this just in a mongoose is not a type of weasel, Whoops! but they sure look like a weasel, right? (laughs) Oh my God. I'm watching one eat it. Oh God. Oh my God. They eat. Oh, they eat reptiles and stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. They eat snakes. But the thing is, they'll stand on anything, including a BBC photographer. So there's a point in this video in which the photographer is trying to take pictures of meerkats, and the meerkats are just standing on on the photographer. Oh my god, I love them so much, and they really do have they have crazy good posture. It's it's impressive. They have great. Yeah, we could we could all learn a lot from so so mongoose self improvement program. Why I I'm talking about meerkats specifically, not mongooses in general. Yeah, but yeah, a meerkat yeah. self-improvement program, be alert, stand up straight, mm-hmm. eat a snake every day. Oh, yes. I mean, what more could you need? Stand Maybe. on a photographer. There you consensually. go. Consensually. How about now? But wow, Matthew, what are you into Let's this Let's do week? it. I'm into, well, I mean, obviously I'm into the new Japanese breakfast single, mm-hmm. Be Sweet. 
But mm-hmm. uh, also, I want to tell you about Cecile Liu of Sissy's Art Cafe. It's uh, sissysartcafe.com, who makes beautiful, like, watercolor stickers based on her own artwork. And there's a lot of food-themed ones and a lot of non-food-themed ones. They're all great. And uh, you can go to her website, which we'll link to in the show notes, and uh, order stickers like a la carte. But the best way to get her stuff is to sign up for her Patreon and join the monthly sticker club, like wife of the show Lori did. And so now every month we get this little envelope <laughs> full of stickers and like I always want to open it and see what the stickers are but I have to wait because they're their uh, wife of the show Lori's stickers and she um, gets to decide when to open Sissy's sticker envelope her artwork is it's like so huggable like it's exactly. so like yes. the 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 various food because it's it's all food right it's like very cute food food with faces yeah yeah it's just so like squishable so cute <laughs> I mean, if you could squish a sticker. Yeah. They used to have puffy stickers. Like, are puffy stickers still a thing? I don't know. I loved puffy stickers when I was I a kid. I covered, I like, God, my parents' like... dashboard with them. No, I, th- I thought puffy stickers were lame. Never liked what? those, Matthew. I did not like puffy stickers. I wanted my Mrs. Grossman stickers. What is Mrs. Grossman stickers? Oh, you don't remember that sticker company, Mrs. Grossman? Like, it came on these, like, um, it would come on these rolls. So, like, um, you know, a stationery store, for instance, would have, like, a whole section of Mrs. Grossman stickers. And there would be rolls of white you know, paper with all the stickers on it. And you could, um, the paper was perforated. So you could tear off like just a certain amount. This I'm isn't making any sense. I'm looking at these now and I'm not very impressed. Oh my God, I <laughs> love But that's because I was just looking at Cecile Liu's stickers, which are way better. God, okay. Well, fine. I'm going to talk about mine now, but wow. <laughs> okay. So uh, maybe I'm like the last person to listen to the Point of Origin podcast, which is- You're um, not, because I haven't. Oh, okay. Well, go listen to it. It's okay. hosted by um, Stephen Satterfield, who is the founder of Whetstone Magazine. And it's hard to sum up what he's doing in this podcast. Basically, like the magazine, he's exploring culture through food, and he's doing lots of terrific interviews with um, with real people who are defining and preserving global food ways. So he totally pulls it off. I, I haven't heard another podcast that does what he does as well as he does it. So um, anyway, they're currently between seasons, but there are a lot of old episodes to listen to. I recently really enjoyed the one that came out last November on food apartheid and like why it's a okay. better term than food desert. So Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. Can, I can get that. I know food desert is a really problematic term. Totally. Anyway, so yeah, that's that's Point of Origin podcast. So really great stuff. All right. I think we're done here. I think Uh, we're so done here. So we're we're linking to a bunch of stuff this week and uh, and it's all good. We want to thank uh, Michelle Zahner again for being on the show. That was a delight. I hope we can have her back. Abby Circatella is our producer and Zatar Cacio, a Pepe maker. We have a Reddit. Uh, It's called Everything Spilled Milk. Yeah, that's right. For a second, Reddit. I thought spill milk everything. And I was like, that's... Let's just spill it's... milk on everything and see what happens. It's going to anyway. get very smelly. Reddit.com slash r slash everything spilled milk. It's a great place to chat with other people who listen to the show. You can also uh, send us uh, listener mail, uh, contact at spilledmilkpodcast.com. Uh, send in your topics for the for the live uh, lightning round live show, topics at spilledmilkpodcast.com. God, I can't imagine anything else we could possibly need to say today. I feel like we've given so, people so many things to listen to, things to read, things to watch, cute animals to know, stickers to stick on themselves this week. Like, I don't um, know if it's, if it's too much. Self-care exercises to improve yeah. your posture. I mean, right. we are a one-stop shop. Yeah, the Meerkat program. Thank you for listening to Spilled Milk. We're everything. <laughs> okay, we are everything. 
And we're everything to everyone. We're the podcast that everybody likes. <laughs> oh, that's true. I'm Molly Weisenberg. And I'm Matthew Hipster Burton. Michelle Zahner was our special guest. Thank you, Michelle. I just literally just said that. I wasn't listening to you. <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.